0: Yo, monkeys, it's me, DDP, the king of Bada Bing, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time, three-time, three-time world champion and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. And you, monkey, well, you, you're listening to the Cruise Control Podcast, and that's not a bad thing, a good thing. Bang! One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine Are we on on the air. <laughs>
1: Another edition of the Cruise Control Podcast Here on BlockTalkRadio.com Thank you for joining us However and wherever you might be listening Tuesday Afternoon Here live in New York City It's cold up here man It is (laughs) It is brutal It's like mid-twenties Can't wait for the spring and summer to, to come around Oh man, it's crazy! You can listen to the Cruise Control podcast anytime on blogtalkradio.com dot com backslash Hits Radio Show. Also on Stitcher, iTunes, download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you missed out on last night's episode where I talk about Macho Man, Randy Savage, getting into the WWE Hall of Fame. That episode is up. It's live. You can go to iTunes, Stitcher, even on our main website, which is com. But if, as always, it's also on blogtalkradio.com. Check that out. Talk about Macho Man getting the Hall of Fame. Talk about my top ten wrestling theme songs ever, which I think are the top ten. If you haven't heard it, hear it now. If you if you disagree or agree with me, hit me up on Twitter, CruzR83, C-R-U-Z-R-A-3. Just again, I want to give a special thanks to each and every one of you who has ever listened to the show, downloaded it, promoted it, heard it on the iTunes podcast, on Stitcher. And if you want to become a sponsor of the show... Not only this show, but also the Hoops in the Sun radio show. Email us at hoopsradio at gmail dot com. Again, if you are interested in becoming a sponsor of both the Cruise Control podcast and the Hoops in the Sun radio show in twenty fifteen, email us at hoopsradio at gmail dot com. As always, I am your host, Randy Cruz, and you can follow me on Twitter, R eighty three, C R U Z R eighty three. Good show tonight, I think you want to call it Three Days of uh, of Wrestling Had a uh, a show last night Got one today, got one tomorrow All Predominantly uh, Professional wrestling um, As you guys well know, I- I'm a big Wrestling fan not, a- not as much as I was Back in the day When I was younger um, It's a lot different now But I still check it out Time to time I watched the pay-per-views, I got the network and everything, so um, still a fan, still a fan, but um, it's different now, it's, it, sometimes you just, you can watch like five minutes of, of Raw and Smackdown, and like after a while, it's like, click, <laughs> because either it's redundant, same thing over and over, sometimes the, the, the entertainment uh, portion gets to be a little overbearing and too much, and wrestling fans all over the world know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to that entertainment stuff. It's like, oh, man, you know, that's a little too much. <laughs> um, so today, WWE featured columnist for Bleacher Report and the host of WrestleRant Radio, Graham Matthews, in about two minutes, Macho Man Hall of Fame stuff, current professional wrestling stuff. WWE Network, all kind of material that we're going to talk about tomorrow at 8 o'clock, which is, again, the third day of wrestling. Donald Wood, the host of Ring Rust Radio, at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. So check it out. And we're back on the Hoops in the Sun radio show Thursday night at 8 o'clock. So check that out. So four days in a row doing these podcasts. So if you missed out from last night, iTunes and Stitcher, if you miss out on today, again, blogtalkradio.com, iTunes and Stitcher, same thing for tomorrow and Thursday, so without further ado, get to my guest of the afternoon, my man Graham Matthews, WWE featured columnist for Bleacher Report, host of Russell Rant Radio, and you can follow him on Twitter at Russell Rant, how you doing man, what's up? Oh, I didn't, I didn't put him through. Yeah. There you go, Grant. What's up? How you doing?
0: No problem, Randy. How's it going today?
1: I'm doing good. Man, I got worried for a second. I was like, hold up. I clicked the button. It didn't go through. What's going on?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's no problem. Shit happens. Shit happens.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, first of all, you know, Happy New Year to you and the family, man. I know uh, we haven't spoken in a while on, on the show. Uh, I think it's been about... <clears throat> Eight nine months, but it's always a pleasure just just uh, talking to you, chatting with you, and a pleasure to have you on, man.
0: Absolutely, brother. Always have fun uh, shooting the breeze in WWE and all of wrestling. Excited to do it today as well.
1: All right, man. You know what? Let, let's get started, man. Big big news. Kind of kind of shocking and, and surprisingly at, at the same time. Um, Macho Man Randy Savage finally and I do mean finally in bold capital letters, finally uh, will be inducted into the Hall of Fame um, the night before WrestleMania. Um, how happy are you, as, a, as just a, as a pure wrestling fan, that Macho Man, one of the greatest of all time, is finally getting in the Hall of Fame? Very
0: happy. It's about time that Macho Man finally went into the WWE Hall of Fame. It's been in the works for a very long time now. It should have happened years ago, obviously, but the important right. thing that it's finally happened, and <clears throat> the night before WrestleMania 31, like you said before, and I think the Hall of Fame, I, I said this last night on Twitter, but... Um, This may be heavily debated, but I think the Hall of Fame, now with Sam Martino in there, the ultimate warrior, and now with Macho Man Randy Savage, it might be actually considered legitimate. There's a few other names in there that we could use, like an Owen Hart, but I think I was in your show about a year ago and we were talking about this, that Macho Man, when he's going to be going in, this year is the year. Couldn't be happier for Macho Man, the Poffel family, and all the WWE fans and all the Randy Savage maniacs that are finally going to be able to see the Macho Man finally take his place in the WWE Hall of Fame.
1: Are you are you one of those people that are kinda of surprised that it 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 happened this year because we I know we all saw the the Stone Cold podcast with, with McMahon a few months ago and Stone Cold flat out asked him, Is Macho Man getting in? and McMahon did say, Yeah, he was but he wasn't sure it was gonna be this year. Are are you surprised that that Macho Man got in this year?
0: I'm not too surprised, if only because I, I know what you're talking on the Stone Cold Podcast, and I don't think Vince wanted to confirm that they were going to put him in this year because he still wanted to be kind of a surprise. And the way they did it last night, it was, it was very weird the way they handled it. They said expected to be announced tonight. They didn't say confirmed for the Hall of Fame tonight. It was a little weird the way they did it last night on Raw. But um, you know, I wasn't too surprised it was happening this year. They had the new DVD out not too long ago. They've had the mm-hmm. Poffo family. I think Lanny Poffo was at WrestleMania 30 last year. So it's been in the works for a while. And they couldn't have done it last year with the Warrior going in and maybe not even the year before with Sam Martino going in. And this year, I don't know who else is going in this year, obviously, but at least he's going to be the headliner. He's finally he's finally going to take his rightful place in the WWE Hall of Fame. And uh, the timing couldn't have been better. They're going to be in California. I think he has some roots there in Santa Clara, so that's pretty cool. But uh, not too shocked because I think it's been in the work for a while now.
1: I think I think it's kind of cool at the same time the fact that, um, you know, three three names – that 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 you mentioned, San Martino Warrior Macho, uh, were were people that we've been wanting to get in the Hall of Fame for for lo- for a long time. Macho Man and Warrior definitely should have been there a long time ago. Same thing with San Martino, but it's it's amazing how all three of those people are getting in in back to back to back years. And to me, as a fan, I'm like, you know what, man, it it, it it took the Warrior 18 years to get in, and I'm like, this is a guy that you know was arguably Maybe the second most popular, maybe at one point the most popular wrestler at the time, Macho Man, the same thing. And it's like you see the other other wrestlers get in and and know whatever to them, but they they work hard as well. But I'm like, how is this guy getting in? How would this guy get in before Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man when then with them two and Hogan really held down the
0: 1980s. Exactly. It's all about politics at the end of the day when it comes down to the WWE Hall of Fame. So it can't be taken too seriously. I mean, it doesn't even have an official building yet, which hopefully is in the works. I know Triple H himself said about a year ago or so that it's not a top priority to build the WWE Hall of Fame building. But um, absolutely, I think it was a shame that a lot of people said, you know, why is Coco beware and Before the Warrior or Macho Man? (laughs) it, It did become a joke after a while. So it is great to finally see all three of those names back in in the WWE Hall of Fame. Like you said, back-to-back-to-back years, and I really like how they spaced it out. It's not like they did Sam Hercino, Warrior, and Savage all in one year where no one else can top that Hall of Fame class. We've had some pretty good Hall of Fame classes the last couple of years, and I'm very happy that they're spacing it out. Like next year, I expect Undertaker to go in maybe, maybe the year after. So it's good they're spacing it out because they need that headliner each year.
1: All right, I'm gonna put you put you on the fire, man. Macho Man leading Savage. Where do you rank him all time?
0: Ooh, that's a really good question. Uh, mm-hmm. My buddy Black. and I are right next to me right now. <laughs> we, we were talking about this not too long ago. Where does Macho Man rank in the best of all time? Oof. I would easily say top ten. Um, that's a really good question. Uh, well, we're talking mic work here. We're talking in ring work. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I think we're talking full deal here. I'm, I'm consulting my friend who's sitting right next to me right now. Um, probably top ten. I don't know if I would go with top five, but easily top ten. Because if you're talking about most iconic names in the business, and you think of you know wrestling, you, you go to a casual fan. I know that not necessarily you know a constitute if you're a greatest of all time, but you go to a casual fan who doesn't even watch wrestling. Like they know who Hogan is, they know who Rock is, they know who Randy Savage is for the most part. Most people do. And so uh, I, I would definitely put him on, uh, in that top ten, given how iconic and legendary he was in the 80s and 90s. Do you have a favorite Macho Man match? Ooh. Oh, yeah, actually, I do. I watched WrestleMania not too long ago. You mentioned earlier on the podcast, WWE Network. It's a great deal, nine ninety nine a month. You know, you can watch every WrestleMania you want for that low, low price, so it's great. But I was watching WrestleMania uh, 8, I want to say. I think it's WrestleMania 7, or WrestleMania 8, I think it was. And him versus Ultimate Warrior, I thought, was a great match. I thought it was one of Warrior's best matches. Uh, Savage had a great match as well. Him and Hogan, obviously, had a very good match, too. But uh, that match went about, like, 30 minutes long. It had a great story. Of course, had the after-ending with him reuniting with Elizabeth. So everything about that match, I thought, was spectacular. It gets pretty underrated in terms of, you know, Macho Man has had a lot of great matches, obviously. So I think it kind of gets buried underneath all the others. But um, I thought that was a stellar match, and easily one of my favorite Macho Man matches of all time. (laughs)
1: <clears throat> you know it, it, it's funny because last night I did a podcast and I said hey listen before before I, I, I taped this thing I did the the, the Twitter poll and I said listen let me know what your favorite macho man match is and I'll say it on the air so I <clears throat> maybe 10 responses cuz you know I was I was rushing and predominantly it was the match you said with Warrior which is uh WrestleMania 7 and the WrestleMania three with Steamboat. And I think anytime anybody says favorite match of macho, they're going to mention WrestleMania three with, with Ricky Steamboat that the mega power with uh, WrestleMania five. Somebody told me the, the, the IC match he had with Tito Santana in the Boston garden. And it was, and, 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 and I kept getting response at the response. I'm like, wow. Like, you know, there were a few matches that I, I knew he had. And I'm like, damn, like I, I don't I don't remember that so, and and that's why the network comes into play handy because now like damn I never saw that match I'm going to go watch that but the response I got was just mainly so even somebody said any match you have with Hulk Hogan I, I guess because he wasn't a Hogan fan I don't I don't know but but WrestleMania 7 even WrestleMania 8 came up with a uh, rich player um so, but, but the point is, he has so many great matches, and, and you can't really say what was the greatest ma- um, his greatest match, but, but when it comes down to it, everybody says WrestleMania three was Steamboat.
0: Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. The match with Steamboat at WrestleMania three an absolute classic, one of the best matches in WrestleMania history, hands down. One of the best matches in WWE history, I think it's going to go down at. Um, but great match all around for the Intercontinental Championship. It's a shame that belt mm-hmm. doesn't mean the same thing nowadays that it did 30 years ago. But um, yeah, an absolutely stellar match. I can't believe I forgot to say that. But um, yeah, that's easily one of my favorite Macho Man matches of all time. Hands down.
1: Uh, real quick, what do you think about um Hulk Hogan inducting him? You know, you know, you know their rivalry, their friendship, the stuff they went through. You know, he could have had, you know, somebody from the family, maybe Ricky Steamboat. Or do you think, do you think that Hulk Hogan is, is the ideal guy to induct Macho
0: Man? It was a very controversial decision when I read that last night. I don't necessarily agree with him. This is coming from a big Hogan fan. I love Hogan. They obviously, as you mentioned, had their very storied rivalry back in the 80s. But uh, there's a lot of backstage stuff, too. That would, that's like the equivalent to Hogan, if he was to induct the ultimate warrior. And I know they made peace last year, but that was before, of course, if they announced him as the inductor or whatever else. It just wouldn't have made sense. And I think – I mean, Hogan has gone on record. I mean, Hogan's kind of a liar sometimes. But he's gone on record and said that they've made, uh, they've made up right before his death. So I guess, the, I guess there's that. And I'm sure Landy had to approve of it, so there's that. Um, but I think the, the Poppel family is going to accept the honor on his behalf, and Hogan's just going to be inducting him, so there's a bit of a difference. So at least Landy's going to be doing that. But um, like you said, I think Steamboat's actually a better pick. Hogan isn't <clears> the worst guy in the world, but given their history, I wouldn't have gone with it. But Steamboat would have been a better choice, but I'm fine with Hogan because, like you said, given their history, their iconic feud back in the 80s.
1: All right, we're talking uh with Russell Rant, host and featured columnist for Bleacher Report, Graham Matthews, uh hit him up on Twitter at Russell Rant. All right, Daniel Bryan is back. What I read was for maybe the last three months that Roman Reigns was gonna you know, be the guy to win the Rumble, but now it could be up in the air with Bryan in the Rumble. Um if you ask me what I prefer to see that at WrestleMania, if it goes that way, is it, Daniel Bryan against Brock Lesnar for, for the world title. Um, how do you see it playing out? Do you prefer Reigns-Brock or Bryan-Brock at WrestleMania?
0: I'm with you all the way on Daniel Bryan-Brock-Lesnar. I think at this point, cause had you asked me a month ago, I absolutely would have gone with Roman Reigns because there wasn't many other viable options. Um, Dean Ambrose, Dolph Ziggler are all decent choices, but I think Roman Reigns made the most sense. But that was before Daniel Bryan announced his end ring return at the Royal Rumble. And the way that I see it, I think we all know the way the, the way it played out last year with Batista, and they're going to get the exact same reaction, especially to anyone that saw Raw last night and the atrocious promo that Roman Reigns, the, 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 the atrocious promo that Roman Reigns got one of the worst <laughs> I've ever heard. And there is absolutely no way that he wins the Rumble, and I'm not, all, I'm not even fully against it. Like I love Roman Reigns; I think he's very, very good. He has a future. But one, he's not ready yet. Two, he's not over enough. Three, he's just not ready on the mic. And four, Daniel Bryan makes the most sense. The story is there with Brock Lesnar. He, it, it's poetic justice. He's going to win the match. He should have won last year. That he should have been in last year when Batista won it. And they know they can't repeat history. They have to learn from her, their own past with Batista and the way they turned on them. It's going to be ten times worth. It's going to be ten times worse. The Roman Reigns, if they have him win, I'm sure they're not going to go that route. Daniel Bryan is the ideal opponent for Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, like you said.
1: Do you feel the fans are slowly making that turn where they say, "Yeah, Roman Reigns"? And like after a while, it's like uh, <laughs> maybe, like you said, maybe it's too quick, too fast, not great on the mic. Um, it, maybe. The company is rushing Roman Reigns on the fans too much. Do you feel the fans are like, all right, we like you, but I, you know, you to main event at a WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar, and we're supposed to believe you're going to be Brock. Uh, do you feel that like the fans are kind of turning away from Roman Reigns?
0: Yeah, I think that's been the case for a while now. That fans been turning on Roman Reigns. It sucks, and I'm never really going to be fully on that bandwagon because, like I said before, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not really a Roman Reigns fan, but I do appreciate his work. And like I said before, I think he is the future, but he's not ready yet. And I will always say this, if Roman Reigns, say, was to win the Royal Rumble and he was to go on WrestleMania, at least it's not John Cena. I'd rather have Roman Reigns shoved down my throat than John Cena because at least it's something (laughs) new. That being said, though, I would much rather have it be Daniel Bryan because it's organic, he's over. But, uh, yeah, that that promo, (laughs) I think, was the death of his push. And uh, I I read from someone in attendance that was at the show – that he got a lot of booze after that promo, and it's not even fully his fault. From what I read last week, it's Mister McMahon that's writing his promos since, and that does not fully surprise me because he's like his pet project, and he's just, the lines that they're giving this guy are just so bad. And it's not, like I said, it's not even his fault. And um, yeah, I don't think he's ready for WrestleMania. Maybe next year, maybe at SummerSlam, he's ready for the World Championship. But there is absolutely no way. Like we were going to give a time, say, okay, we'll wait until we're at Rumble if he's ready. You know, we'll give him the green light for the push. But it's January, it's mid-January Royal Rumble is less than two weeks There's no way he's made an event in WrestleMania Absolutely no way at this point
1: mm-hmm. um, The last time I had you on the show The Shield was, were not broken up yet Now take your perspective Back then when, when they were together And look at them now separately Do you feel any different Of how each three has Either developed Underdeveloped Stayed the same What's your perception on Rollins, Ambrose, Reigns when they were together and compared to what
0: you see now? The one word that I can use to sum up the shield, perfection. From the way they debuted, from the way they were booked, from the way they held those championships, the way they were split up. At the time when they broke up, I was not necessarily a fan of it because I thought they had some left in the tank. But in retrospect, there really wasn't much they, they could do. They already beat Evolution. They already beat the Wyatt family. Like They pretty much did everything. And at that time, with Daniel Bryan being out with an injury, they needed to make new stars, and they did that. Roman Reigns is a different case. I still don't think he's ready, like I said before. But Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins are both tremendous. Um, Seth Rollins especially, dude. I mean, he's come a long way um, on the Mm -hmm. mic. Not necessarily in the ring. He's always been awesome. But right now, he is the top heel on Monday Night Raw in the company, and they're doing a great job of giving him heat. Like, people are still chanting, uh, you sold out of this guy seven months after he turned on the Shield. And then Dean Ambrose is a guy that's organically over. People love the guy. Great on the mic. They give him some campy segments from time to time. Like last time on Raw, the whole therapist thing was not – some things were funny, some things were not. But I think he's a guy that has a future as a babyface heel. Same thing with Rollins. If he turns babyface one day, he would not be out of place. Roman Reigns has also come a long way. Like I said before, not ready yet, but he also has a future ahead of him as well. So – Everything about the Shield, the way they brought him in, the way they booked him, the way they split him up, they made top three stars out of all three of those guys. So it's great to see.
1: You know, so, someone told me, someone told me, I don't know if it was on Twitter or somebody who I actually know, it was like, listen, um, I see Roman Reigns winning the, winning the Rumble against Brock, and then <laughs> and then Seth Rollins cashing in right then and there on Reigns, and Winning the belt I have no idea if that's going to happen That could be an option um, There are many there are many ways they can play that out With Rollins still having the money in the bank In your opinion or uh, In a way of how you would book it How would you play out Rollins cashing in Money in the bank Cause We know he's in that triple threat match for the belt At the Rumble I don't think he's going to win that So there, there is plenty of time for him to cash in How would you
0: play it out? I have a very bad feeling that at Royal Rumble he's not going to win the triple threat match. Seth Rollins that is, but he's going to lose. He's going to take the pinfall loss or whatever because they're not going to get they're not going to have Cena get pinned or Lesnar get pinned, and then they're going to have Rollins cash in and become champion. Which I don't really want to see right now. I think Bryan versus Rollins is a great match, but Lesnar makes the most sense. Like I said before, he's you know the conqueror, the beast. I mean, if if you think about it, people have been getting so pissed about Lesnar being champion since SummerSlam. This guy's never on the show. Blah blah blah. A lot of of legitimate complaints. But what sense does it all make? What's what's the worth of having him be champion if he's not even going to hold that belt on WrestleMania? So he's got to keep the belt. But uh, the way that I would book it, I think Seth Rollins should not win the title at any point before WrestleMania. And uh, they should have him cash in either at Mania, which I don't see happening. They always go off the show with a happy ending. They wouldn't have Rollins cash in and then go off the air with him being the new champion. Would be awesome. I just don't see it. Maybe the next night on Raw... At any point, because he has until June or July, so he has a while to cash in. And, uh, like, I see this where some people are getting that from, like maybe a triple threat with the shield of WrestleMania would be amazing, but I don't have any faith that they would headline a WrestleMania with three new guys, because if you look back in the annals of WWE history, every WrestleMania has pretty much been main evented by an established star. If there's an up-and-coming star, sure, but usually with a main event star, too, like a John Cena or a Triple H or a Randy Orton, whoever. And I don't think they're going to take the risk of doing all three shield members for the title. And it wouldn't even main event probably if they did it. And that's a match they could probably do at SummerSlam or even next year maybe. But, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want Reigns to win the Rumble, like I said before. And I don't want Rollins to cash in just yet, maybe after WrestleMania. I think that's the very least. At the earliest, either at WrestleMania or the night after, or any point between then and July before his contract expires. Mm.
1: Well, you know what? You, you kind of – you know, led into my to my next question the fact of how, you know, Brock is the champion. Um, he he's been sporadic on TV, sporadic on pay per views. Um, you know, me and you've been watching wrestling for so long, and we're we're so used to seeing the, the belt <laughs> on 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 Raw and pay per view every single time. But now it's like some people could could have forgotten who who the champ, how the belt even looks like. Um, <laughs> What are what are your thoughts on on how the company is, is recently utilizing that belt with Brock being champ but not being there all the time? Does it hurt them or does it does it bring this thing like um, like a boxing approach where the champ defends the belt every two three months and and, and it's like a special attraction kind of thing to it?
0: It's a double-edged sword because I didn't have a problem with it when they first put the belt on Lesnar. And I'm not one of those fans who hates Lesnar Ford or is absolutely against the IPF. I have been disappointed. I haven't pissed at it, but I have been a little disappointed with the fact that, and it's not Lesnar's fault, but the least they could have done, I'm not saying he should have been on every Raw for every time that he was champion for the entire four or five months that he was champion, but they could have had him defend that title at Hell in a Cell once or Survivor Series at the very least or TLC maybe just one pay-per-view title defense because the way that I see it is that Brock Lesnar ends the streak at Wrestlemania and he gets the biggest win of his career obviously you know any win of anyone's career he wins the championship but and and the whole purpose is that whoever takes that title off of him whether whether it be Rollins or Cena hopefully not or Daniel Bryan at Wrestlemania it's going to mean something but if you really analyze it, how much is it really going to mean when the only person that Brock Lesnar has defeated while he's been champion is John Cena? He faced him at SummerSlam, he faced him in NF of Champions, and now he's facing him again and Seth Rollins at Royal Rumble. And, I mean, you can really... There, there is an argument that even though it's going to mean something when he loses, it's not going to mean as much as, uh, as opposed to if he dropped it and he had already had successful title offenses against guys like Randy Orton, were up-and-coming guys like Adolph Ziggler or a Dean Ambrose or a Cesaro even if they wanted to do that and they weren't burying that guy. But um, it's just not the same. I mean, like I said, I'm not pissed with it, but I'm a little disappointed they didn't have it on TV a little bit more than they did because they completely mishandled it by not having to have at least one title defense between Night of Champions and, you know, the Royal Rumble coming up.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned Survivor Series, and the whole big thing leading into it was... Uh, seeing a team against authority, and, it, and, and if authority lost, they, they wouldn't be back in power. And everything seemed great. Sting appeared. It was like, yeah, no, no authority. And then, like, <laughs> like two, three weeks later, they're right back <laughs> on television. It's like, yep. ah, man, like it it, it, it felt quick. It felt rushed. It felt like why? And I, I kind of get it where the rumble was coming up. You got to start leading into some some storylines into WrestleMania. I kind of get it, but it felt like a vacation for them. Um, did did them coming back too quick diminish even Sting's appearance at Survivor Series since
0: since they came back within a month? Good question. I don't know if it would diminish Sting's debut. Maybe a little bit. It absolutely diminished Dolph Ziggler's win. I will say that much. I don't know about Sting. The debut was so epic, and you know people have waited so long for that. Uh, maybe a little bit, but Dolph Ziggler's win was absolutely diminished. And that whole pay-per-view, that whole pay-per-view is what they've been building towards for a very long time now with the authority being, you know, in power for the last year and a half. And, you know, they were building that pay-per-view up with the free WWE network month and sign up for this. And like a hundred thousand people bought that show on pay-per-view when they could have signed up for free to watch on the network. So that's saying something about the quality of the pay-per-view. People are you know, willing to pay for it. But um, it, the way they brought back the authority was absolutely ridiculous. In a perfect yeah. world, I didn't want them back at all. Uh, I, I don't want any authority. I mean, they could have had an authority figure coming in every once in a while, like a Jack Tunney kind of thing back in the 90s. But if they are going to bring back the authority, the least they could kind have of done was, like you said, wait a little longer than two to three weeks, wait a little more than a month um, to bring back the authority. Because I know they have to build this Sting versus Triple H, was it, but was it, really, was it really that important to bring it back before the Royal Rumble, take the focus off the Royal Rumble matchup? Because right now the show is all about the authority. In the whole firing angle, like, I thought it was an absolute joke when they fired uh, Ryback, Ziggler, and Rowan last week, and they expect us to believe that they will stay fired, even though the authority was quote-unquote fired, and they came back a month later, so why should I believe that these three guys are fired, too? Like, the whole thing is so convoluted and messed up, but I guess it shouldn't be surprised with WWE, but, yeah, I wasn't a fan of that whatsoever. It's really, yeah, uh, taking a, a hit in the programming since they came back two, three weeks ago.
1: I got two more uh, for you before before I switch it up, but Kind of, kind of funny question right now. If if you had to pick three things, and 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 maybe there are more than three, but if you can narrow it down to three things of, let's say the um, the last three to six months. Let's say since September, three things that really annoy you with what you <laughs> with what you watch on Raw on the pay per views from, from from WWE the last six months. To me. What I mean by it is, uh for example, like um, I'm tired of seeing Cedar and Rollins for like the 98,000th time. I'm tired yeah. of seeing Big Show complain for a hundredth time <laughs> and him taking heel turns. You um, know, like, stuff like that. And I, and I know you, you're, you're more into that watching and really getting in tune with the, with the product. What annoys you the most? Three things about the current product right now.
0: You just mentioned it yourself. i um, the Big Show. I am. I have never been the biggest Big Show fan, but the, whatever he did last night, I hate the Big Show. I, the whatever segment, whatever abortion of a segment that was last night that we got with the Big Show and Roman Reigns, it made me cringe. And it's one of those segments. Like, why do I watch this stuff? I'm gonna watch regardless, of course. But it's just one of those segments. It was so, so convoluted and so messed up, and uh, it was just a waste of time. I just do not like the Big Show. I mean, at this point, the guy's just gotta. Kind of retire. I mean, there's nothing left for him to do. I respect his yeah. work, first ballot WWE Hall of Famer, but like you said, the numerous heel turns, I cringe when he turned heel at Survivor Series, and it's been all downhill ever since. The fact that Big Show is a, is a key figure on Monday Night Raw in 2015, there's an issue there. Him and Kane are like the top <laughs> heels right now. It's such oh show, my God, Kane but, uh, annoys me too. Yeah, I can, I can, uh, I can stomach Kane a little bit more. I think he's a little bit better, but not by much. He's another guy that's got to slowly wind it down, and uh, they just turn him heel and face, take off the match, put it back on, take it off, put it back on. It's ridiculous. But Big Show is just unbearable to watch to me. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just personal bias. But the Big Show's one. You already talked about it before. But the Authority, I hate the Authority. The whole heel Authority shtick has been so run down over the last 15 years. It's ridiculous why they keep on bringing it back. It's not doing anything with the company, the wrestlers, whatever. It's those two things. And uh, Cesaro, the way they've been handling Cesaro over the last six months has been gross to me, just in, to sum it up in one word. The guy is so grossly underutilized in WWE right now. Like, I love his tag team with Tyson Kidd. But that guy coming out of WrestleMania 30, when we talked the first time about a year ago, he was uh-huh. so hot a year ago, you know, coming out of the Real Americans tag team could have turned him babyface, but they didn't do that. They paired him with Paul Heyman. They messed up his booking, and it was so messed up. And, um, yeah, yeah, they've really put him to waste over the last six months without doing anything with him whatsoever. There's no plans for him. And they talked about it on that podcast of Stone Cold. And even Vince said, I have no idea what to do with this guy. Like, even the the owner of the company didn't know how to resurrect this guy's career, which is pretty concerning. But, um, yeah, the booking of Cesaro, the big show, and the authority would probably be three things right now about the current product that I am not a fan of.
1: Do you feel, you know, uh, keep going on on the current state of of I guess WWE wrestling? Um, do you feel like there's too much sports entertainment focus? Is is um, not enough on the wrestling? Is it too much entertainment? Is it too much based on social media? Even from the announcers, where you know, you know what? That's one more thing that that annoys me too. The announcers that don't really. Yes deliver the matches that, that, you know, maybe we're all spoiled with Jim Ross and and Jerry Lawler, but to me, it's like, dude, you know, you get these comebacks, you get this big spot, this big moment, and it's just like, oh, look, there's Bray Wyatt. I'm like, dude, I know it's Bray Wyatt, but you're supposed to sell it to a point where it's like, oh, wow, Bray Wyatt came back, like, point example, Hell in a Cell, and Bray Wyatt came back to hit Ambrose, and it's like, you see, though, this glow, whatever it was, and then Bray Wyatt came out, and J.R., me, I'm thinking J.R. on the mic, oh, my God, it's Bray Wyatt, oh, my God, and then I, all I get is, oh, it's Bray Wyatt, like,
0: yeah, duh, yeah. I see it's
1: Bray Wyatt, but you're supposed to sell the people, like, oh, wow, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, they, that's one other thing, look, I, I, I lost track of, I don't know what question I just asked you, <laughs> but I lost track <laughs> real quick, um, the, the, the the entertainment, do you feel there's too much on that, social media, even for the announcers?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The announcers are an issue right now. I don't put full blame on Michael Cole. Jerry Lawler's not on Raw anymore, but, uh, well, Booker T and GBL. I don't put full blame on them. It's the people that are feeding them the lines, and they have stuff right. to promote. I understand that. I respect that. But they are the chemistry that GBL, Lawler, and Cole had was so bad, they had to switch it up. And Booker T's not much better. He's not very good at all but at least I can stomach him a little bit more than Jerry Lawler because he's been on Raw for so long. He's been that stagnant voice on Monday and Raw for such a long time. But um, to answer your question, has Raw been developed more into a sports entertainment program, more than pro wrestling? Um, yeah, I think more weeks off than not. It's more like a three-hour marathon, especially with the three hours it feels that way. Uh, I'm not complaining. You know, we do get great wrestling from time to time. So, I'm, you know, it's not like it's completely gone. But um, when they do put the focus on the wrestling, they go all out, they deliver. We have great athletes. I mean, we're getting less and less of it more recently. Like, I'm not seeing Los Matadores and Raw as much, or El Torito and Lawrence Waggle, not as much. We still get Adam Rose every once in a while, but um, oh, we still get that, you know, that campy ass, you know, the, the sports entertainment. It's never really going to go away. It's, you know, it's a part of what wrestling is now for WWE. So I understand that. But you know, if you want to get a real wrestling program, it's it's hilarious to me that this is the same company NXT is, you know, that pure wrestling old school. Anyone that's a fan of, like, old territories and stuff is going to love NXT. And granted, it's a little different. Our program, they don't have as much. It's not Raw. It's not SmackDown. It's a lot better, you know, it's a lot completely different handled, obviously, because it's an hour program. But, you know, still, though, there's some things from NXT that Raw and SmackDown can learn from and kind of transition more into a wrestling show, focus more. Like the women, the way the women are treated down there in NXT is a complete... It's just mind-boggling to me compared to how they're treated on the main roster. And this is the same company. It's not even like it's TNA or anything. But, um, yeah, I, I think they, they've really they, – they've toned it down a little bit, but they can learn a few things and, you know, you know fine-tune that pro wrestling aspect of their product. <clears throat>
1: All depending on the current health of Undertaker, do you like the idea of Hunter and Sting at WrestleMania as opposed to Taker and Sting?
0: A lot of people are against Undertaker Sting. If Undertaker's going to go, I still maintain that we have to see Taker Sting, if only because it's a money match. It's what people want to see. I think it's going to be a bigger draw than if (laughs) you were to do Triple H, Sting, and Undertaker Wyatt, which could be a good match. and It's a good match for Wyatt, but if Wyatt loses, I mean, that's ridiculous. But Wyatt would have to win in that that respect. And Sting would have to win, too. It's his first match. But if it's Undertaker Sting, it's more unpredictable. The streak isn't on the line. People have been wanting to see that match forever. It's going to be a big draw for not only the current fans, but for longtime fans. You know, the old WCW audience—that whole audience that did not jump over to WWE when WCW ended—they just disappeared. And they might want to see that match to buy WrestleMania, buy the network, whatever to see that match. So um, I would much rather see Undertaker sing. I know it's not going to be a five-star classic. The match will probably suck, but the story will be there. It's a money match. Triple H, Sting, I would not have a problem with it, but to, to do Undertaker, Wyatt, and then Triple H, Sting on the same show, it is mind-boggling to me. Why not have them do the same match? Uh, but if Undertaker cannot wrestle, which is fine, if he wrestled his last match last year, which would suck, because if, if he went out in the matches that he did, I did not like the match with Brock, um, that would be unfortunate. But if he can't wrestle anymore and they have to do Undertaker or they have to do Triple H versus Sting... I'm fine with that, but if they're going to have Undertaker sitting on the same show, they have to be facing each other, in my opinion. No matter how bad the match is going to be, it's a draw. The story is there. Everyone's been waiting to see it. It'll Be a great addition to the WrestleMania card, in my opinion.
1: All right, <clears throat> three final random questions for you. Uh, we've been joined with Graham Matthews, featured columnist for Bleacher Report, and the host of WrestleRant Radio. Before I go, before I go forward, whenever you do a, a radio show, man, and, and if you ever need me to come on, you know, just just
0: hit me up. Oh, absolutely! I would love to have you on WrestleMania Radio, man.
1: Yeah, so that was that was that was a nice free plug for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate
0: that. Thank you.
1: I appreciate it. Um, real quick, the last time we spoke, um, the network w- was just getting started. Um, mm-hmm. Not as many shows a- as there are now, and and, and whatnot. Um, the big thing was the Monday Night War, style. a lot of people were were anxiously awaiting for that series to start. We're about 19 shows in. I think they got one more tonight. From what I read, they were only going to do 20, and I don't think you can do more than 20. So, um, yeah, yeah. One, have you been following up on that? And if so, two, what has been your total perspective, total take on how they've both portrayed the WWF at the time and WCW? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've been watching the show since the start. I've watched all 19 episodes, like you said, and in the 20th episode, Dave tonight, or, yeah, Arizona on the WWE Network. Look forward to that. The show as a whole has been great. It's been one of the best parts of the network. There are some parts about it, like it has its cons and stuff, in the sense that there's only so much you can cover, and like you said, there's really not much more. Um, they can't do another season, unless they do different aspects about the war, but, um, right. you know, they cover, there's a lot of stuff they overlap with, and they talk about it twice. They use the same interviews and stuff like that. It gets it gets to the point where it's becoming repetitive. Um, but yeah. I do like the show a lot. There's been a lot of good episodes, a lot of stuff I didn't already know. You know, coming from big fans such as yourself and myself, um, there's a lot of stuff that even I didn't know beforehand, which I get a lot of, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot from that show. It's a lot of fun to relive some of the history. So I think it's great. Um, their perspective of the, of the war, like there's some parts about it that are a little bit biased. Like you go back and watch the, um, the Montreal Screwjob one. I'm talking to my friend uh, a while ago about the Wrestling with Shadows documentary, so much more accurate, so much more legitimate, and WWE likes to spin it a little bit to show that they're the victims in the, in the scenario, which they were to respect, and I don't want to go on a whole rant about the Montreal Screwjob, but that whole episode, I think, was kind of skewed in WWE's favor, and um, I, I, it was still a good show, and there, there, it, was, it was still a good episode, but um, there's some episodes where they like to skew in their favor to show BCW in a bad life, like that, but... No, they've done it forever, though. But on the whole, though, I've really enjoyed the show. Like I said before, a lot of stuff I didn't already know, a lot of uh, interesting points, and a lot of the different episodes, they really enjoyed. The Click episode, I thought was, that was good. The NWO stuff, I'm a big NWO, marks. so that was great. Um, Goldberg, the Rock one, was really entertaining. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff in that show. Don't think they could do more than 20 episodes, but the way they've handled it on the whole, I think has been awesome. The ones that, that, that,
1: that stood out to me, and obviously, you know, I've I've seen the footage of all these stuff a um, long time ago, like you said on other prior interviews, DVDs, and the the fact that the the way they kept being repetitive, you know, like I I like I'm I'm I'm, I'm home watching. Yeah, I know the NWO form in 1996 at Bash of the Beach. I saw it many <laughs> yeah, yeah. times. I saw it live. I saw it on the network. Yes, I know that the big trio Hall and Nash left after the. I get it, but now some episodes yeah. are like, hmm, okay, like like the mankind Mick Foley one, that was pretty interesting. <laughs> um, the click, I like I like the one with Bischoff, the last two with him and, and, and Vince yep, yep. Russo, because you, like, man, like, <laughs> it was so bad how <laughs> that company was in in ninety nine, and two thousand, and I'm watching, I'm like, this really happened on TNT? Like, what is this? And like how? <laughs> and it's so it's funny, but it's sad because. Just two, three years before that, they were they were on mm-hmm. top of the world, and then my my, my other thing is I wish, like come on man, How about, like for the last episode, can we get like an updated interview with McMahon? Can we get one updated <laughs> yeah. current interview with with with, with uh, Bischoff? You know, because when, yeah. when when Scott Hall was there, you know. His interview look more recent. Kevin Nash look more recent. Can we get? Can, can we find Ted Turner and do one five minute segment yeah. currently yeah. and talk about it? But like other than that, it's good. They have a lot of material. It spreads out twenty episodes. Obviously, last one is is, is about Vince, which I'm not surprised. But yeah. overall, that's been the main show I've been watching. I don't know what other shows you've been watching, but to me, that's like my number one.
0: No, yeah, I think it's great. I thought Legend when in the time that it ran, I thought it was really entertaining. Countdown's always good, too. Even though it's a little skewed in the fans' favor, but that's what it is, what it is. Um, but, yeah, I think Monday Night War has been awesome and watching it every single week. But, um, yeah, like you said before, I thought the Bischoff and Vince stuff was good. Yeah, like you said, one of the only knocks in on that show is that they don't have enough material for the interviews with guys like Vince. Like, they can easily do another interview with Vince. The stuff with Bischoff, I understand, like, he was in TNA for a while, so they couldn't get him for an interview. But, yeah, it just annoys me. They show the same interview, the same environment with Bischoff. They must have filmed so much shit that day when they talked to him back in, like, 2003 or whatever it was. It's like that one It's like that one interview from, like, the top of the rafters of an episode of Raw. And then there's yeah. him backstage back in, like, 07. And that's it. That's the only two interviews they had with Bischoff. And um, that's, that's pretty much it for his interviews with Bischoff. And I would love to get him, like you said before, have, like, a modern-day recap of the Monday Night War. And I think Bischoff's going to be doing that with uh, – Pritchard, Bruce Pritchard, coming up on an episode of uh, Talk with Jericho, or Jericho's going to be moderating it, or something like that, on, yeah. the, Rumble, on the Royal Rumble weekend. So that's going to be cool. But um, that would be cool if they brought in off just to talk to him. Like an updated interview with Ted Turner would be great. They have the same interview from 1998, and I understand he's probably going to—he's probably you know a hold to get a hard to get a hold of since they haven't talked to him since WCW closed its doors in '01. But uh, yeah, it'd be great to hear from him because we haven't heard from him in forever. And uh, Eric, but yeah, it's the only knock from it. But I think the you know, show as a whole is amazing, though.
1: Mm-hmm. My last one to you—you you, you might have to think about it. You might not be able to answer now. Maybe down the road. But I took it—I took it upon the liberty to go on Twitter two months ago, maybe three, back in October, and I said, "Listen, um, these are not just mine, but I think these are the top ten wrestling theme songs ever." And I you know, obviously, once you say that. You're gonna get people agreeing, disagreeing, and I knew what I was up against. So I said, "Listen, bam. And, and plus, I put no order. So either you're gonna disagree with me, or you're gonna agree with me fifty percent or whatever. And I want I want your take on it, and I want to hear your your top ten. I put, um, obviously NWO. I put I put up there. Um, I yep. put DX. I put Stone Cold. So that's three. Mm-hmm. I put um, Undertaker four. Chris Jericho, Y2J, five. Mm -hmm. Um, Goldberg, six. Mm -hmm. Crow Sting, seven. Okay. Ultimate Warrior, eight. Absolutely. Macho Man, nine. And I put Edge, Rated R, Superstar theme music. And once I put that out there, Graham, it was just like a major shitstorm. I'm like, oh, how could you leave <laughs> Ric Flair off? How could you leave uh, Hulk Hogan off? And where's Voodoo yeah. Child? And where's Mr. Perfect? <laughs> and where's Jake Roberts? And where's Kurt Angle? I'm like, dude. <laughs> Obviously, there's so many, so many to pick from, Graham. But if you yeah. narrow it down, songs that hit the speakers in the, in the loud stadiums and arenas that got the pop, to me, those ten you you can't you can't beat them. Now, real quick, do you have a top ten or at least a top five? Because you know, we could talk about this forever. Yeah, I
0: think I would have to go with a top five. I mean, you're always going to get songs that you leave off, like you said before. Uh, I am surprised, like you said, that someone mentioned it when they were arguing on your list. They left off Hogan. That's easily my top five theme songs of all time. I think it's so iconic, so mm. great. It's one of those songs that still gets you pumped up to this day. Um, the Warrior theme song, same thing, was unique. Stone Cold DX. I don't know if I can go with top five. There's so many, but um, I think uh, even in my top five, or maybe coming in at number five compared to the other legendary ones that you mentioned, CM Punk called the personality I thought was one of the greatest theme song, uh, greatest theme songs of the modern era. And it was one of those songs that you know gets you pumped up and whatever else. So that would easily be my top five. NWO one of my favorite theme songs. Um, Stone Cold the Rock DX, like you said. Undertaker. So I don't know if I can give you just five, but those are a few of my favorite theme songs of all time, Savage too. Um, you know, some of the greatest, most iconic theme songs in WWE history.
1: Hey man, hey the bottom line is it, like like we said, it's too many to pick from. I said this is my list, I'm not changing it unless <laughs> something drastic happens, but I I respect everybody's opinion on um, whether they're they're an older fan like me or they're they're a newer newer fan, but um, I did that and I was like, Yeah, I um I <laughs> I'm not changing it and some people did agree. more people agree with me, um, than than, than disagree, but I guess that's the whole point of debate and that's the whole point of, of Twitter being out there. But um, Graham, real quick before I let you go, if you wanna let people know how to uh reach out to you, where they can read your work and just kinda you know, chop note with you about wrestling and go ahead.
0: Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at WrestleRant, Facebook, Ramsey Matthews. Like you mentioned before, I host WrestleRant Radio every Tuesday. We do it at live com backslash stations backslash ECTV73. Uh, but the best way to listen to the show is in podcast form, which we're doing it currently. We're not doing it live for the season. I'm not at school at the moment where we film the show out of. So you can check it out at com. A lot of great articles up there, John's Jargon,
1: reviews.
0: Raw, SmackDown, Pay Per Views, TNA, everything—all about wrestling. So make sure check that out. And um, like you mentioned before, I still write for Bleacher Report and WhatCulture. dot com. So just type in Graham Matthews into Google, whatever else so you can find me on Bleacher Report, What Culture, and everywhere else. So thanks again, man, for having me on. I really appreciate it.
1: All right, thank you, Graham. Thank you. Appreciate
0: it. for no all, man. I'll catch you down the road.
1: All right. So that was Graham Matthews of Bleacher Report. WWE featured columnist for Bleacher Report and the host of Wrestle Rant Radio. You can follow Graham Matthews on Twitter at Wrestle Rant. W R E S T L E R A N T. Great show. You got current product talk. You got Macho Man in the Hall of Fame, theme songs, The Network, Monday Night War, uh, Daniel Bryan, The Authority. Brock Lesnar, all that good stuff with my guy Graham Matthews. Great show, great stuff. It's just amazing how much you know you could talk about wrestling for for so long and it's like, man, uh time is up, you gotta go. But um always great catching up with him. Again, you can hit him up on Twitter at WrestleRant. Great stuff, great columns, great write ups. He does it for Bleacher Report, um, one of the biggest sports websites in the world, so, you know, if he's on Bleacher Report, then you know he's somebody. <laughs> um, Randy Cruz here with you, Cruz Control Podcast at Cruz R83, we're back tomorrow night, 8 p.m., Donald Wood, the host of Ring Rust Radio, another big-time radio show on com, as well as Bleacher Report, so... We're back on it with with more wrestling talk. Donald Wood, Bleacher Report, Ring Rust Radio, tomorrow night, 8 p.m. on the Cruise Control Podcast. And we are back Thursday, 8 o'clock, on the Hoops in the Sun radio show. Come on, man, Arden Franklin of Arden Sports Talk at 8.05. And Jared Greenberg of NBA TV, talking about NBA basketball and the current NBA season, 8.35 p.m., Thursday night. So if you missed out on, on last night's episode, check it out. It's on iTunes and Stitcher and BlogTalkRadio.com. If you missed this one, check it out later on today. BlogTalkRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, HitsRadioshow.com. Tomorrow, 8 p.m., Donald Wood, Ring Rust Radio, Thursday, Arden Franklin and Jared Greenberg here on BlogTalkRadio.com. Thanks again. We are out. <laughs>